With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters, welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm here with Brandon. And Brandon, I'm back. It's good to be back. My God, it's good to have you back. I mean, we were <laughs> we were very lucky to have two great guest hosts, Stephen and Ben, in the last couple of weeks, but I just missed my guy. You're my guy, Josh. <laughs> I know, I know. That's what you said at my wedding, and it was uh, made everybody very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I grabbed the microphone away from your mother, and I said, this is my guy. This guy is my guy. <laughs> uh, no, so it, it, it just took you like two weeks to get over this whole baby thing, like the whole child rearing that's come to its its completion now, and now you're back doing the podcast full time. Yeah, she's actually away in college now. I mean, we cycled to this thing very quickly. They grow up so, so fast, don't they? <laughs> they really do. Two weeks. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, my daughter Quinn was born uh, on um, uh, Friday, September thirtieth, and so she is uh, two and a half weeks old now. I'm in the middle of I've got to have a few weeks of paternity leave and uh, two weeks of of intensive baby raising, and uh, that's that's still ongoing. But uh, she's she's sleeping a little more, a little more on a schedule right now, and so I'm able to yeah, find ninety minutes here. I'm I'm literally I'm in I'm in my bedroom. Uh, my, my, the podcast recording studio is now Quinn's nursery. So, uh, I am, I am literally sitting on my bed 
with like an old like TV stand that I'm using. <laughs> this is your life now, Josh. Yeah, your your uh, surplus to 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 requirements at this point, as far as yeah, your household is concerned. Exactly. But I've still got my mic. I've got I've got my six point crisp here, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, as long as we don't actually talk about my game week score this week. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm actually glad that uh, you know last year, you know, frustrating season. Uh, Got to blame myself for that. This year, frustrating season so far. I get to blame the baby. Sure. You know? so, sure. Yeah. I remember two seasons uh, was two or three seasons ago. You had not not a season up to your level, and you blamed it on <laughs> planning a wedding or something like this. So, <laughs> if 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 listeners sense a pattern over the seasons, uh, right? So I'm a you're poor, not alone. I'm a poor loser, and uh, if I if I lose, then it's not my fault. It's 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 the you know the universe is conspiring to 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 make things tough for me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know it's. It was a weird. It was a weird game week. I know it was for a lot of people. I mean, both of us captained uh, Sergio Aguero, and uh, you asked me. The, the, uh, I mean, it was, the number of missed penalties or saved penalties. Just looking at people's teams where they had both Benteke and Aguero up front with with minus points. It's rare that you would ever see a week like this, and it's one where you, we all have to we all have to band together and stay strong. Yeah, the uh, looks like the, they finally calculated the the average. We're recording this shortly after the Man U Liverpool match, so not all of the stats are updated yet. And in fact, uh, we don't have a full Hell Shooter Super League update yet. We're going to try to tack one on at the end of the podcast if they posted the updated top ten. But looks like the average was thirty nine points this week, which is it's actually uh, you know, higher than I would have guessed. But uh... higher than I would have guessed too. I guess uh, you know the, enough people own Man U and Liverpool defenders right. uh, that uh, you know. And actually, you know what? It's funny because I brought in Loris Carius, and uh, in his two gimme matches, he conceded really bad goals. And I did not, I did not play him uh, at home to Man U. I guess I should have. Uh, so yeah, uh, you went with Pickford instead because uh, that, that, that Sunderland team is has their trajectory is is, is I, I positive did. in every way. To be honest, I didn't think twice about it. I felt, you know, I mean, Pickford away to Stoke. I mean, even if they conceded a goal or two, I figured he might rack up four, you know, four points just with, just with saves, you know. And uh, I had to think with that Liverpool defense, they conceded a goal to Man U. It was a, kind of a strange match. I, I felt like the, the stage got to these players a little bit. I mean, I, I know that it's not uncommon for a Mourinho team to, to. I don't even think he parked the bus, though. I mean, I, I, first of all, parking the bus should just get like removed from the lexicon because it's such a it's such a tedious, overused expression at this point, right? Like, yes, I me, agree. Like, I totally every, agree. Every time Manu keeps a clean sheet, it's because Mourinho parked the bus, or you know, when he was at Chelsea, it's the same thing. Yeah, I think we're all tactically sophisticated enough now just to accept that there are many different ways that one can manage a game, and and Mourinho's like you're saying, uh, parking the bus or negative tactics. These are, these are just ways that one can choose to play and it's fine. Yeah, exactly. He certainly isn't the first manager to, you know, try to keep it a relatively low scoring game on the road and, and be happy with a draw, you know? And I, I say that not even as a man United fan, but you know, which I'm not, uh, but you know, I, I, I don't think the Liverpool was kept scoreless because of his tactics. I, I thought both teams had, you know, real lack of clinical finishing in this match. I mean, uh, you know, really more Liverpool than Man United. I mean, did, did Man United even have a shot on goal in this match? 
that's a very good question. I mean, there were there were some crosses, I guess. I mean, you have a, <laughs> I, yeah. you have a guy like Zlatan who is is not really sure where he is on the field at any given moment. It's right. a little tough. We're going to talk about Zlatan quite a bit. I don't know about quite a bit. We're, we're certainly going to talk about him later. Uh, we're, we're going to, the, the the big topic for this week is buy, sell, hold, and uh, we're talking about uh, several different players in the Premier League. It's like the always uh, cheating boiler room, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. <laughs> So uh, before we get any further, though, Brandon, I, I did want to say thanks to uh, Stephen and Ben for co-hosting the podcast. I listened to both episodes that they were on, and they did a great job. Um, very interesting. Like it was, it was actually kind of cool because they're both, um, you know, very serious, smart fantasy players. Know a ton about the game and have a slightly different approach, I'd say, or certainly a slightly different. Um, uh, personality. And, um, so it was kind of cool to, to get different, different perspectives. And, uh, especially Steven as, you know, a fellow, um, father of a young child, it was kind of cool to hear his thoughts on, on watching the game as well. So yeah, we'll see. I, I, so some of you may have seen, I posted a photo on Twitter of, uh, of baby Quinn, uh, in her little arsenal onesie. Uh, and I actually have red and, uh, red and white. So, <laughs> but the elusive third kit that they sell to everyone <laughs> is, is still in the mail, right? Yeah. Exactly. If you've got the the blue with black shoulders or you know, whatever it is this year, uh, you know, send it our way. So, what about me, Josh? How do you think I did while you were away? Pretty I good, right? I, very good, very good, very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so, so thanks, so, thanks everybody. Yep. But uh, we have to go back to birthdays. So you said Quinn's birthday is now September thirtieth. And birthdays are now going to be a big deal here at the Always Cheating Podcast. Yeah, so I, I put up a post last week. I, I I spent way too long on this, uh, especially considering that basically no one read it or responded to it uh, when I put this post up. I think it was the least popular article in the history of Reddit. I put it on the FBL Reddit site, and it was like, it was it was being aggressively downvoted. Uh, I, cr- I created a secret account just to downvote <laughs> it. I, I didn't care for it. Uh, basically, I just I took a look at uh, Premier League birthdays, um, just players who perform, just seeing how they performed over the years on their birthday. I was just curious if, you know, uh, Koscielny had scored a you know an overhead kick goal early in the season on his birthday, and uh, I knew that uh, it was Be- uh, Bellerin and. Um, and Erickson both scored on their birthday last year. And I thought, is there kind of a, is there like a possible like edge here? Like just, a, you know, can we find players who've scored on their birthdays? And if you go back, you actually, um, you know, I looked at around 50, was like 55 players or so. Uh, and around 20% of them had some record of doing something on their birthday, uh, which is a pretty reasonable number when you think that most of them, you know, not most of them, but many of them were born in, you know, June, July, August, where, you know, where their art matches, um, or it's just, you know, they don't have, they didn't have a match on their birthday, you know? I mean, it's, you know, you only play, even even including Champions League and Europa League and whatever, you know, you're only talking, I don't know why I included Europa League, but, you know, whatever, all the, all the various leagues and cups, you're only talking about, you know, 40, 50 games a year, and 50 is at the very top end if you're playing every match. So, um, yeah, it was about 20% had actually done something on their birthdays. Uh, and what made it kind of interesting is that this last week, we had two of those players uh, actually had birthdays, um, you know, they had home matches on their birthday, which are Mesut Ozil and Nolito. Uh, and as it turned out, both of them scored on their birthday. So I met up with you. I actually dragged you out of your house to go watch these games at a nearby bar. And so Ozil scored. And you were kind of miffed at first because Ozil is in my midfield. It's good for my team. It's bad for you. But you, you still managed to get to a certain level of excitement because it began to prove your birthday. <laughs> he theory, scored right? on his birthday. Yep. 
So then uh, we're grinding out the rest of these matches on Saturday, and Aguero misses his penalty kick, and uh, we both have him captain. It's really terrible for us. We're sitting on minus two. Then Nolito comes on moments later and scores a header, and we just turn to each other and grab each other by the shoulders and scream, it's his birthday! It was pretty awesome. I mean, it was just, the, the prophecy came true. Now, now, granted, in the article, I didn't say that it was it was a guarantee. Obviously, it's not a guarantee that these players are going to score on their birthday, but it looks like there might be a possible edge to be found here, you know? so well, it's, is it, I, I feel like so many so often when you're watching a match, Either these guys have something written on their T-shirt. Like, how often do they have moments in their life significant enough where they would go so far as to write something on their T-shirt? I mean, Mario Balotelli uh, aside, and then they end up scoring to reveal this message. Or announcers are throwing stats out there that actually turn out to be true. Or even, like, Nasir Chadley scores against Spurs. What are the odds of any of this happening? But somehow they they all keep happening. And I will say there was there was one person on Reddit who actually wrote, you know, so he went in on Saturday afternoon after the matches were played and said, I read this article and as a result, I captained Mesut Ozil. So thank you for that. Wow. Uh, so that was, kinda, that was kind of cool, actually. So we helped exactly one person uh, with that article. One person uh, so, is enough. I'll do this podcast for the rest of my life if all we do is help one person at a time. <laughs> so what does it all mean? It's it's at least something to look forward to moving forward, and I think what's 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 kind of cool is that we actually in, in the month of December it's actually all spaced apart one week. Uh, Christian Benteke on December third, uh, Wilfred Boney on December tenth, and Andre Ayewas. I mean, he's back and healthy uh, on December seventeenth. All have matches on their birthday. So uh, let's let's see. We have three more chances to to test the birthday theory out. Well, this is uh, the ultimate narrative, right? Andre Ayew comes back for his first game back from injury on his birthday, and he scores. Exactly. I can exactly. see it. I can see it now. I mean, another thing else that started was kind of interesting just to see how old all the players were. <laughs> yeah. You ever go yeah, to imdb.com <laughs> just to see uh, whose birthday it is and how old they are? Usually what I'm doing is looking up how tall they are, but I often I do look at birthdays sometimes, too. Uh, all right, Brandon. So uh, let's let's keep it. Let's keep it moving here. Uh, Hail Cheater Super League. We don't have updated uh, top 10 yet. Uh, we'll try to get to it later at the end of the podcast. But if not, we'll certainly post that on Facebook and Twitter. Um, I know that there is um, at least one man. At, well, let's just, yeah, we'll so we'll save it. But um Congrats to everyone who's doing well. We'll make sure that you get um, you get your proper due, uh, you know, once the scores have been updated. Uh, let's jump right into the meltdowns of the week because we have we have three meltdowns this week. Uh, are you ready, Brandon? You want you want to do the first one? I I will happily do the first one because it does have something to do directly with me. It comes from Ross Lagawood on Facebook, and he says, "How do I learn to live with the bad game weeks?" And Brandon beating me on our head-to-head. So Ross and I faced off in the uh, AC Showstoppers head-to-head league this week. And uh, I gave Ross a little bit of a bare-bottom spanking. Uh, (laughs) Ross goes on to say, FPL is like a bad relationship. You keep thinking of the good times, but ultimately there's more bad weeks than good. That was a very negative view of relationships, I have to say, Ross. But it's true. (laughs) I I feel like we, we, we see this in the meltdowns every week. It's sort of like... 
why do we keep coming back to this? And you said something to me, Josh, over the weekend where um, I was asking you about how fatherhood may have changed how you approach watching sports. And you said the only reason to watch sports is basically to be in the moment and experience those emotions. So frankly, whether these emotions are bad or good, this is exactly why we watch sports. And if you have more bad weeks than good, doesn't that make the good weeks even better? Exactly. I mean, you just have to keep it all in perspective. You know, having a bad week doesn't make you a bad person, uh, which is which is sometimes how I feel. Or maybe not even a bad person, but sometimes like I had a bad week in fantasy. I must be a stupid person. Right. Like I must be a dumb human, you know, and that, that kind of thinking is obviously uh, yeah. is, is silly. And you know, the way the way that I try to justify it sometimes is I, you know, especially like with the with, you know, with our with our mini league or we've got some actual cash on the line. Uh, sometimes I just think, you know what, I've already I've already paid the money. You know, so yeah. if you're in a cash league, you should everyone put their money in first because sunk cost. Yeah, it's a sunk cost. Exactly. Like I'm not I'm, I don't have to spend this money at the end of the season. It's already sunk into the league. Um, and I think what's really important here is that unlike, you know, in the you know, in the in America, NFL fantasy is typically only, you know, something like 14 to 16 weeks long um, is usually 14 weeks in the playoffs. And, you know, a bad week can really cost you. But, in you know, the FBL, I mean. You know, we're eight weeks into the season. We, you know, we've got thirty weeks to go. You, you know, drop, we're, we're, you drop like four points to your opponent, <laughs> and suddenly you're a million back overall. And you know, yeah. you have a you have a really great week next week. You'll be up two million. This is how, particularly exactly. early in the season, that's how much things shift, right? Exactly. I mean, I, I had I had a terrible week, and I I did drop a couple hundred thousand spots, but you know, it just I can move right back up next week. You know, there's no. Um, it's just it's it's so early, and things are so clustered right now that it really doesn't affect you all that much. I mean, you know, come game week thirty, thirty two, yeah, it's it's a bigger deal, but. Um, you know, it's, yeah, you gotta, cause if you're, if you're having meltdowns in game week eight, it's just going to be a long season. You really have to, you know, <laughs> save your meltdowns for like a double game week that goes awry in game week 34 or something right, like that. Right, right. Also on Facebook, Dave Baker has a meltdown. He says, I'd like to sincerely apologize to all Toby Alderweireld owners. Unfortunately, I brought him in for game week eight. My curse is very real. This was especially painful being a Spurs fan. If anyone needs me, I'll be curled up in the fetal position. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, it was just a strange, you know, the clean sheets for, our, you know, we talked a lot about, or you guys talked a lot about uh Yeah, this was, this was by Arsenal. all accounts like a week to bring in a defender. Talked a lot yeah. about Arsenal, Tottenham, and even Southampton defenders. Uh, yeah. None of those clean sheets panned out. And it just shows you how hard, how hard that is to pr- predict. I mean, on paper, you would say Swansea at Emirates or uh, West Brom, typically defensive team playing against Spurs, the uh, like one of the most rock and roll teams in the Premier League right now. Yeah, it was exactly. I mean, you know, you just these these things do not always go according to plan. Um, I certainly stand by any any pro Arsenal defender arguments that we in everybody else made i mean yeah. you know uh we didn't exactly go out on a risk when we when we advocated for arsenal and spurs defenders you know so this and they're, they're actually, certainly going to come good long term but if we could ask dave to courteously post his transfer each week to the facebook page so, <laughs> so we, we know can avoid exactly it what we what we should avoid dave we'd really appreciate that <laughs> uh Deion saunders says uh de bruyne is it de bruyne de bruyne i never say it right whatever uh, a, Aguero and Bateke all miss pens. Dini blanked, and I'm on 16 points. Why do I play this game? Uh, he's he's feeling very similar to me. I think 16 was right where I was at the end of Saturday. Um, I did I did scratch my way into the 
upper twenties finally by the end. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's like this, we said earlier, it's, scene, just, it's mean, just one it, week out of thirty-eight. You know, you got to keep true. Things and if you have if you have De Bruyne in your midfield, you I would I would. It's it's tough to uh, muddle through game week eight with his performance, and he really did not look good. But he's, he's just terrible. coming back. He is one of the best midfielders in the league, playing on one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league. I would be I'm jealous of Dion that he has yeah. right in his midfield. We we may have underestimated the international break effect a little bit on these teams. I mean, teams like the uh, Man City and Arsenal and even Spurs. I mean, you know, something like the, the majority of their starters were away, you know, at, at internationals. And they all, you know, all, all three of those teams look pretty flat in those matches. And um, I guess sometimes we forget that, you know, that, you know, even if it doesn't matter who you're playing, if, you know, West Brom didn't send barely anybody away for the internationals, you know, and they had two weeks to train. Um, and, you Unless know, you play of, for England, apparently, guys like Theo Walcott or Deli Ali, Gary Cahill, they're all they all pulled it out. Yeah, that's so, true. So I guess that's, that's just a sign yeah. that the English players don't work that that hard on international <laughs> duty, which I think is an opinion yeah. held by a lot of it, people out there. It, yeah, Walcott was terrible in the international, so he's he's clearly saving all his magic for the Arsenal. Even though he he should have had like five goals, right? I mean, yeah, I, I that's why that's why he totally to. missed out on so many bonus points is because he had so many uh, big big chances missed. <laughs> but of course, everyone uh, knows if Ozil does a single thing in an Arsenal match, he's yeah. guaranteed all three bonus points. It's some sort of contractual agreement with uh, with BPS dot yeah. com. That was extraordinary. I mean, to, to score two goals out of three in a match and only end up with one bonus point is a, a pretty rare thing, I would That's, think. Uh, Joe Allen would never. That happened to him. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of Joe Allen, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to get right into our first topic of the day, which is buy, sell, hold, and we're going to talk about several different players. Same old podcast, always shading. All right, Brandon, buy, sell, hold. I'm going to name a player, and you're going to give me your your quick reaction. Okay, just okay. Your, your instant gut reaction, um, and then we'll talk about them a little bit. Okay, it's sort of like a Rorschach, <laughs> a Rorschach test. Yeah, I'm a Rorschach, exactly, exactly. What are so your first impressions? So, if I yell out, end, if I yell out, "Daddy" is the first thing that we we could just move on. <laughs> so, by being, you know, do you want to bring them in right away, or you know? Um, or, or you know, if you own them, are you still kind of happy to have them yeah. uh, sell? If you own them, are you ready to get rid and then hold? Uh, hold can either mean you're going to hold on to them for one more week or you're going to hold on bringing them in. Yep. Okay? Okay. Right. Uh, Etienne Capoue. Uh, immediate reaction is sell, but the uh, give me five seconds of pause and I would say hold, and I'll tell you why. Because okay. – the obvious move here is sell Kapu and bring in Joe Allen. But that is that is a bit of a knee jerk, perhaps. Though what we've said about Kapu is has borne out, right? There's no way he's gonna keep up this form. This is not his typical style of play, and you can see with uh Agalo. I'd say the same about Joe Allen, of course. Yeah, we're yeah, get fair. To next. Yes, exactly. I'm sure I was gonna get to that point too. But you look at Agalo being taken out of the Watford lineup and the um formation has shifted a little bit and it may be that it doesn't uh favor Kapu getting as forward as he as he had been earlier in the season. Yeah. But um, I am probably going to hold Kapu for the time being because they have two really good fixtures coming up, Swansea and Hull City. Now, Swansea is a slight question mark given the new manager, and they had a pretty decent look against Arsenal over the weekend. 
But still, I can imagine a lot of managers out there have other things they need to be dealing with other than Etienne Capu. Yeah, I think – I mean he's still on corners, which is kind of extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they aren't good corners, but he is on corners. <laughs> yeah. I feel like when Theo Walcott was on corners and you're like, why Why exactly is Walcott on corners? Like, this is not his strength. Probably because uh, he's the shortest person on the team. Him and Kazorla can just alternate. They're not going to get the head on it. Jeremiah Johnson said, time to drop Kapu, right? And I would say I would – it's a qualified response. I would drop Kapue if he is your fourth midfielder, and I would hold him if he's your fifth midfielder. Uh, as a fourth midfielder, he's just not delivering enough, and I think that you could bring in someone like Robert Snodgrass, who um, has some great fixtures coming up and is uh, – I mean, d- despite how awful uh, Hull, Hull have looked the last few weeks. I mean, they, that, you know, they've kind of performance, become the That team. performance against Bournemouth was – what the Dreadful. hole we expected to see, that hole that everyone yeah. promised coming into the season. But they've shown an ability to score. So, I, you know, I do think that he can get his goals or, or you know, someone else. I mean, there there are some options in that, that and this is maybe a discussion for a future podcast, but there are some options in that five to 6.5 million range. I mean, even, even Joe Allen, I, I guess, uh, is an option there. Uh, we're going to talk about him in a second though, but, uh, you know, but as a fifth midfielder, I think, I think Kapu's fine. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a, you know, cheap midfielder, especially if you got him a few weeks ago, like you said, who is, um, who's on corners and, yeah. um, takes the occasional free kick. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's pretty tall. So he's involved in, in corner, you know, like if he's not taking corners, he, he, there's a chance he could head the ball. So I, I think that, I think that, uh, Kapu is, is fine as a fifth midfielder. Yeah. I feel like we've been talked, we've kind of been screwed this season with guys like Kapu where that he's made, the uh, affordable fourth midfielder, so affordable that um, I still have a guy like Ibrahimovic in my front line because I can right. justify having a really cheap midfield. Yeah, so I'm actually very. Um, uh, I have an axe to grind with Kapu right now because of that. I have an axe to grind with my entire team, <laughs> <laughs> everyone but Lukaku. All right, who's next on the list? Uh, the man himself, Joe Allen. Uh, Sigurd Eskelin says, I'm expecting thorough discussion of the Welsh Javi. Hashtag the new Mares. Siraj Grish says, is this hey, the dawn of the We Joe era? Hashtag the new Kapu. Have you ever heard this term, We Joe? Uh, no, I like it, though. I really like uh, it. It reminds me of Weebay on The Wire. I like that they, 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 they both used hashtags different for different players. That's what people do on Twitter. I don't know if you hang out online very much, Josh. But so when when he calls Joe Allen the new Mars, is that is that a nine point five million midfielder who doesn't score or assist? Sure, is or that, even start games. <laughs> start games anymore? Uh, I know that was because he'd come back from the friendly. I, I think. I, who knows? That was a weird match. I mean, I oh Lester, wow. That's yeah, depressing. yeah. That, steer clear. That Let's is not go down that road. That is not not a good scene unless you're yeah. unless you're playing Champions League fantasy, <laughs> and, and you're and you're looking at Mark Albrighton right now. Then I say my initial reaction to Mark Albrighton in Champions League fantasy is bye. <laughs> so you guys talked about Joe Allen a bit on the last podcast. What what are your thoughts on Allen? Uh, we did when Ben was on last week. We did a side by side stats comparison of Joe Allen versus uh, Arnautovic, and <laughs> Joe Allen won by a long shot. Actually, I mean, no one can really argue if you look at the eye test. Like Arnautovic is instrumental to that Stoke attack, and he, as he has been for more than a season now. But Joe Allen is getting so many touches in the box, even if he's he's cast as this link play guy or the engine room in the back of the midfield, 
the way he scored that first goal over the weekend, he was making a darting run that somebody you would expect Alexis Sanchez to make that kind of run. I'm feeling very bullish on Joe Allen right now. And, I mean, it's in large part due to their insane run of fixtures. Hull, Swansea, West Ham, Bournemouth, Watford all coming up here. If you need to make a move in your midfield, I see no reason why you would not want to go in for Joe Allen. Oh yeah, I mean, if I were wild carding right now, this game week or next, I mean, he'd be he's a, he's the perfect Kapu replacement, and I, and I would replace him. I would I would replace Kapu with, with Allen. He's also you can probably get him for you know a three million savings at this point, right? If, if you can suck Kapu yeah, for he's five million or something. Eight and I, right now, and I think by the time people hear this podcast, he'll probably already be at four point nine million. So yeah. it's, it's time to buy. It, it's time yeah. to get in on that Kapu style um, value train. I do think it's the same thing with, I mean, he's not a defensive midfielder the way Kapu is. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's more of a, more of a deep line playmaker and, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's not a, he's not a scorer. Some I mean, might he even hasn't call been, him the Welsh Javi. <laughs> some might even call him that. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I remember him back in like the Leon Britton days when he and Britton were, yeah. were the engine room for Swansea, you uh-huh. know, back in 2011 or whatever it was. Uh, so I, I do think that, um, I don't think it's going to last. I mean, Joe Allen, it kind of, it's funny because Joe, Allen sort of famously couldn't score. Do you remember you know, how he, I feel like he would fluff chance after chance as he was with Liverpool. Yeah, a bit of a you bit know? of an Aaron Ramsey type. Yeah, but Rodgers would bring him on in the 70th minute and right. he missed two clear-cut scoring opportunities. Just like Kapu, though, Joe Allen is on corners. So uh, given the, uh, Ben and I talked about this last week a little bit, like given the tall stature of a lot of those men on Stoke City, Right, I I predict a few corner assists for Joe yeah. Allen in the in the coming weeks. Yeah, I mean, if we're comparing apples to apples, right? I mean, if we're comparing Joe Allen to other very cheap fourth and fifth midfielders, I think he stands out. Uh, you know, I mean, we're not comparing him to whomever, you know, um, Alexis Sanchez or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, so that, obviously yeah. there's no comparison there. Yeah. And, yeah. and yes, to, as, as much as fantastic as it was, as it would be, Joe Allen will not be the next Mares. Right. Exactly. So, all right, let's, let's, let's keep it moving here. Buy, sell, hold Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> I can't really say it any better than you have written here in the show notes, Josh. <laughs> uh, it's buy, but it's two buys. It's bye bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, Zlatan. <laughs> I mean, while, while you were away doing your fatherly duties, we, we talked all, all around the circle of uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. We had yeah. Steven on, and we basically um, just threw him out the window with the bathwater. And then we, we tried to, when Ben was on last week, we tried to be a little more cerebral about it. We looked at Zlatan's right. stats. He had right. very impressive stats apart from the ones that really matter, and, and that would be conversion rate. Right. And then watching this Liverpool game, it, it certainly reinforces the former argument. I mean, I feel like I've watched 90 minutes of almost every Man U match this season, and I, I don't know how you could have watched the last three or four matches and really felt like he was... You know, he was a lethal Aguero-esque scorer, which is, you know, what you kind of need him to be at that price. Um, you He's know, not, I mean, I mean yeah. everyone knows how much I follow Sam Vokes in this league. And I'm not even joking when I say Ibrahimovic resembles Sam Vokes at, at times. He is so immobile. Yeah. And there were runs that he tried to make in this Liverpool match where... Um, 
Dejan Lovren had had gone off the line to go intervene in some strange happening on the sideline. And Zlatan was left all by his lonesome in the middle of the field. And Pogba could just pick him out. But he didn't have the the pitch awareness or the presence of mind to hold his run. He was offside multiple times for no reason. I know. I don't know if it's, I, I don't think it's an age thing. I think it's, I think it's a fit issue. I, I, you know, I just think that it's the same problem that Manu have had the last couple of years, which is that they just, they, you know, they keep adding new attacking players and then they kind of throw them all out there in different combinations and it never settles down. And, you know, I mean, Paul Pogba, I mean, that guy, Sometimes it doesn't seem like he is trying to help other people score. It seems like he's really trying to. I don't know. I could see. I could see Zlatan being much more of an asset if Man United were a more attacking team at the moment. United seems to have trouble sustaining an attack, and if Zlatan were able to post up in the penalty box as opposed to on the midfield line, then he'd be useful. But his speed just isn't there, so he. He can't make those Van Persie-esque runs in behind the defense or even Rashford-esque runs. So he just needs to be further up the field, and it's not happening for United right now. It's it's not happening, and at that price, I mean, I, you know, he's down to eleven four now. I mean, I so I mean, the thing that's frustrating about Zlatan is that it kind of feels like fool me once, twice, three times, shame. You know, I mean, it was so many people like once, you know, twice, was, three times is Zlatan, yeah, isn't that? I mean, I. I, I wanted to get him out when I wild carded three weeks ago and I didn't do it. And I, I wanted to get him out when he blanked in game week six and I didn't do it. I wanted to get get him out when he blanked in game week seven and I didn't do it. And now it's game week eight and he's blanked once again. I mean, at one point, do you just let go of this guy? You know, you I mean, to, I, he's going to he's going to score this year, but there's no I, I'm sure he's going to score a ton, but yeah. It's not happening right now. Yeah, there's just no value. I was dead certain he was going to score against Liverpool. I I was also convinced for some reason that United was going to murder Liverpool today, but um, that was foolish. But yeah, you're you're right. Zlatan will bite us, but the the values prospect there is is absolutely um, awful. Takes us right to the next player: buy, sell, hold Diego Costa. Buy absolutely. Uh, I had Costa earlier in the season. And then Chelsea was coming up on a strange run of fixtures, and uh, I dumped him for, for Sam Folks. Uh, we can, you know, we, people know the story there. And I was a little scared of Costa being on four yellows, but it seems that Costa is able to play just fine on four yellows. If you watch Costa play the last couple of weeks, you 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 can, you can see he's clearly cognizant that if he gets a yellow, he's out, and I'm sure he's waiting for a match week before an FA Cup fixture or something like this. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's probably true. His form is undeniable, though, and, I mean, he's the biggest goal. He's the highest goal scorer in the league right now, and based on the performance against Leicester this weekend, everyone is thinking that Conte is starting to figure out the formation he wants to play, and Costa is only going to benefit more from it. It is scary, that yellow card. I mean, it it does you will sit do, there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of the opposite of what we're arguing for Zlatan, right? Like we have to get rid of Zlatan knowing that he right. will uh, score a goal at some point, but we have to yeah. pick up Costa knowing he will miss a game at some point. Exactly. I mean, you know, I, I actually kept. I, I almost feel like in hindsight, I kept Ibrahimovic out of fear. You know, fear of his his high ownership and uh, fear that I wasn't going to have him, especially for that Stoke City match in game week seven and. Um, 
it, it overrode my better judgment, you know what I mean? Cause with the, with the, with the four or 5 million, I could have saved yeah. if I turned, if, if I, you know, had Charlie Austin or Troy Deeney or whatever, instead, uh, that money could have gone to the midfield. It can go into the back line, you know, it's all over the place. And so, yeah, he is going to score and his ownership is high, but it's just, you, this is not the time to, and they don't even have really good fixtures coming up and they've got a lot of tough matches on the, you know, in the docket. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, oh, actually, I'm sorry, we're back on Ibrahim cause I'm so obsessed with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, uh, Costa's value is just moving up, up, up consistently week to week. He's already up to 10.2 million. So you kind of have to sell Zlatan and pick up Costa ASAP if yeah. you don't want to turn into making like a very small profit of just 1 million. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm looking at maybe burning some points this week. I, I, my team needs a, a, a reformation, you know? It needs a, <laughs> a reformation. I like that. Does that mean just like rolling a rolling a reefer, smoking a reefer? Yeah, it's it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a, it's a Protestant reformation. It's <laughs> it's full. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Antonio, buy, sell, hold. That is a that is a buy buy. That is a sell. I I have not been an Antonio owner yet this season. I know you are, and it, he he was just in that scorching early season form. And you, can, I, I, you have, I wasn't an owner during the. Yeah, I have not been an owner during the fun times. I've been <laughs> an owner in the, the last. Yeah, the, the last the 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 left back playing Antonio. I I I think I'm going to hold him through Sunderland. They play, play Sunderland game week nine, uh, and that was that was the reason I didn't sell him this week. And I, I kind of went on Twitter. You know, I've been out of the loop a little bit. I wanted to get on there, and everyone kind of convinced me to 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 keep Antonio and not bring in uh, Theo Walcott, which. Um, does sting a little bit, I will admit. Uh, but you know, I don't blame anybody. I mean, it's it was not a great week for underlying stats players. I'll yeah. say that much for players with, with with underlying stats that that made it seem like they're about to come good. They they they, they still may they still may, may bear fruit. I mean, I'm not I'm certainly not an anti stat person, yeah. but uh, but Antonio and Ibra and uh, you could throw Dusan Tadic in there. I mean, just. Yeah. You know, more of the same from those guys. Antonio has a bit of a Zlatan issue in that it's a it's a it's a poor value proposition because Antonio, if he were at six point five or lower, um, fine, great, he's going to get at the end of a cross at least on a monthly basis at the very least. But at seven point five, I think that's how much he costs. It's too much for a guy that's going to get rotated with the defensive lineup and, and a, a West Ham team that's got a lot of questions around it at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think he's going to earn a stay of execution for one more week. I mean, yeah. you can't sell you can't sell a player when they're home to Sunderland. I, I don't think you can't. You uh, can't. I yeah. really, and I really wouldn't blame you if you if people held on to him yeah. for a longer period of time because the guy that's is. A, I mean, the only fixture that's better is home to Hull, right? So I, mean, I think you've got to keep him for that. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. The last one is is kind of a tricky one, I think, and that's Delhi Alley buy sell hold, Brandon. I would be very tempted to buy Deli Ali right now. We talked to Ben and I talked a little bit about him and we were comparing his stats to Hungman's son and he his stats are on the rise. I mean, as evidenced by his goal scoring record now and he's he scored for England and then he's got two in a row for Spurs. Even though he might be a rotation risk, he is more or less the focal point of that offense if not he and he's definitely the leader of that offense with Harry Kane out and Son Son is a bigger rotation risk if if we've learned anything from the West Brom game right and Deli yeah. Ali there there was some discussion on Twitter today about choosing between Deli Ali and Theo Walcott and for me 
this is where Deli Ali starts to shine is that he is on the verge of being a real differential. He's 6.4% ownership. And that to me is, is just low enough for if Deli Ali has a great week, your team is going to have a great week by comparison. Yeah. Four of their next six fixtures. And and really, if you, if you want to look even further down the line, um, I guess six, seven, I mean, six of their next, nine fixtures are fantastic. Uh, maybe seven out of nine. Uh, they're, uh, they play Bournemouth away, Leicester at home, both very good fixtures. Arsenal away, certainly capable of scoring in that game. Yeah. Uh, then West Ham at home, Chelsea away, Swansea at home, Manu away, and then Hull and Burnley back to back home fixtures. Um, we, there probably will be some rotation as you said. Um, but I think that, uh, he, I think he's a great option. Um, and like you said, 6.4% ownership, uh, like a, a, an actual midfield differential on a good team. It's, 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 <laughs> it's kind of nice to have, you know, eight weeks into the season. So, so here's a move. You move Zlatan to Costa and that gives you enough money to turn Antonio into Deli Ali. Yeah, and that could be a move that you do over two weeks. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know? there's nothing. Yeah. There's no urgency here to get on that. Yeah. I don't think there's a, a real urgency to get on the Deli Ali wagon just yet because I don't who, think yeah, I, who, he's not going to go che- crazy like Joe Allen. I'm trying to look up uh, who Chelsea. In, in, who do they play? In this? So the the Chelsea's next fixture is home to Man United. Oh, that's an interesting fixture with with Mourinho back. So do you want? I mean, yeah, that's a tricky one. I don't think I want to hold uh, Zlatan for for that match. Yeah, I uh, want nothing to do uh, with that United Chelsea game. I, I don't think I want to. Yeah. I don't even. Well, actually, it'd be really fun to own Costa in that match because you know Costa will be fired up for the for a big game like that. Yeah, and and the appeal of Costa too is that there's no rotation risk for them. I mean, they have no. You know, there's all they have are a couple of you know league cups and uh but they're they're you know they're not in europe so he's going to play every single match they're you know he's not going to play in any of the kind of lower level cup matches yeah. so i mean that's why i could come in for him at some point but maybe only during the holiday period right exactly exactly um and you know when you start talking about the holiday period i mean no one's safe anyway so there's no point in even worrying about that i'm not safe you're not no. safe maybe <laughs> not, isn't safe no one's safe Brandon, that's been buy, sell, hold, and maybe we'll make this a, a weekly feature. I kind of like this, nice and nice and clean. Yeah, I'm going to refer to it as the always cheating boiler room, but buy, sell, hold <laughs> is probably a little more user friendly. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we're going to talk about cheap third strikers. There are, there are some interesting third striker options right now, and I think there's a lot to lot to consider there, especially if you're if you're thinking about a more a more elaborate move of uh, of Ibra to someone who's like six million to turn someone else into Alexis Sanchez. You see where I'm going with this? I think I do. We'll find yeah. out later. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Same old podcast, always cheating. All right, Josh, as you alluded to before that quick little break, we're here to talk about cheap third strikers. If we're looking at making some uh, big transfers, maybe we're going to drop a striker at a midfield. Who are the up-and-coming, cheap-ish third strikers that really strike our fancy? So, Josh, you you pulled some uh, stats together here, and we're going to look at five guys in particular. you got Charlie Austin, Christian Benteke, Troy Deeney, the famous Brazilian, uh, Marcus Rashford, and Callum Wilson at Bournemouth. 
So what was your what were your big takeaways when you pulled these stats together? Yeah, and and we I, we could have included more players in there. I wanted to keep the price relatively low, and I think yeah, that, where's the Volkswagen here? Farfig. Yeah, and there's no no Volks, no Volks, and you know Andre Gray actually might emerge as an option uh, long term too. I mean, you know when when Gray comes back, I mean what what is his value going to be at? He's going to be sub. He'll be six point three. Okay, so that's that's an interesting price for him. Uh, but he's still away until um, October 29th. So, um, and in that match they play Man United away. So um, uh, I really yeah, think not- Sam Sam Vokes might be dead by then. He'll he'll have <laughs> run too many miles. He'll just fall <laughs> over and he'll be dead. Okay, so uh, I pulled a few different stats. Uh, we've got uh, we've got goals, assists, goal attempts, touches in the box, uh, minutes per goal, minutes per chance. Uh, touches in the final third, minutes per touch, big chances, chances created in shots on target. Now we're not going to go through all of these, but it's interesting. You know, when you when you see them all arrayed together with these five players, uh, one thing stands out to me, uh, which is that Charlie Austin is having a tremendous season despite only starting four games so far this year and playing less minutes than any of these other five strikers. It's interesting to watch Charlie Austin, just watch him on the field with that Southampton team. He clearly has taken on some kind of mantle and that team is rallying around him. When he's on the ball, he is in control and they're sort of rallying around him. And when he took that penalty, he he sort of took the team on his back. And I feel like you're seeing these, uh, leadership qualities that you sort of saw brief glimmers of when he was at QPR. Mm-hmm. He is really trying to make a statement this season with Southampton. So be, beyond the stats, I'd just say he's he's mentally there. He is, of these five players, he's first in goal attempts, which is kind of extraordinary because he's played about half the minutes of some of these players like Troy Deeney. Uh, he has 20 goal attempts, and then uh, Callum Wilson is actually second, or no, excuse me, he's, he's um, Kellen Wilson is third with 17. Uh, Benteke is uh, second with 19. Um, and then Deeney and Rashford are um, uh, uh, the caboose. In that, in this. <laughs> uh, Austin is first in big chances with five big chances. He is first in shots on target. Uh, he's also first in minutes per goal. Uh, so Austin is really uh, just he's dominated in all of these categories. And, and you know, these- Real quick, Josh, these stats take into account seven to eight game weeks. So this would include the minutes per per touch would include the full matches that Austin didn't even feature in. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that, you know, he's 6.4 million and they're, they're away to Man City in game week nine, which would, would, would give me pause in a normal season. But given that it's the top strikers or I, should, I don't know, I don't know I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm ready to call Austin a top striker, but certainly given that a lot of strikers, strikers of, you know, um, who's the striker on uh, Sunderland, whose name I'm forgetting, Jermaine, Jermaine Defoe. Defoe. Yeah, I mean, Jermaine, if Jermaine Defoe was able to score away to uh, to Man City, then I, I'm not sure why Charlie Austin couldn't either, <laughs> right? I mean, fair enough. Uh, I, I totally uh, agree. Yeah, that that Man City Man defense City kept, has hasn't offered anything thus far. They kept one one clean sheet all season, I believe. So I, I think you could bring Austin in this week if you really wanted to, uh, or you could wait until game week ten. They play Chelsea at home. Uh, game week eleven, he plays Hull away. Uh, but you know, I think long term, Charlie Austin is a fantastic cheap third striker option. Absolutely, such such a fun player to have on your team. What else stands out to you, Brandon? Well, Christian Benteke, who I I suffered through that West Ham Crystal Palace match over the weekend, and it wasn't a whole lot of fun. But uh, Christian Benteke does stand out in this list for most touches in the box at sixty one by quite quite a mile. I mean, Troy Deeney is next up at fifty touches 
in the box. But as you mentioned, minutes per chance, Troy Deeney is is um, really dragging. So if Troy Deeney's got 50 touches in the box, but uh, terrible minutes per chance, and Benteke at 61 touches in the box, and uh, just under 30 minutes per chance. I like that. I mean, so, so Benteke's coming off a really terrible game week, having missed a penalty, but he's still sort of what Pardue is, is uh, that's his main focus of the attack, is get those pacey wingers down the sidelines and cross into Benteke. So it the fact a, that he's the, still getting yeah. these touches is, is, is good. It's positive for Benteke owners. The, the weather was pretty strange, to be fair, in that match, too. I mean, it was... Uh, you know, I mean, it was a driving rain, and you know, he had he had some chances anyway. I mean, he he missed a point blank chance uh, right at the end of the half. I mean, even after missing that penalty, so uh, yeah, I think Benteke is a really good option as well. I mean, he's he's a little bit more. He's you know seven point seven million, but still still very affordable. Um, Crystal Palace have kind of an up and down run of fixtures. That you know, they're they're away to Leicester next week. They're home to Liverpool after that. Then they 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 play uh, Man City and Southampton in a couple weeks after that. So. I don't love those fixtures, yeah. Uh, you know, but I do love the way that Benteke has been linking up with, uh, you know, with those wingers on on Crystal Palace. So I, I think he's he of these five players, and just a refresher: it's Austin Benteke, Dini, Rashford, and Wilson. I think that Benteke is the uh, the second most interesting option. He really is, and then and Dini is. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Dini is a testament to the eye test over the stats test. It, before um, Igalo dropped out of favor in the, with the starting 11 at Watford, if you did a side-by-side comparison on stats, Igalo sort of beat Dini in a lot of different areas of the field. But still, right. you couldn't help but watch a Watford match and say, well, Dini's the guy. Dini is the one who's going to be uh, putting Watford on his back. He's going to be scoring the goals. Yeah. And the stats do not look good by comparison for Troy Dini here against these guys. But still, I, I feel... I feel pretty good about Dini going into the upcoming game weeks. I think the difference between this year and last year is that they have other players who can score now. I mean, you know, Holobos is putting in a goal every uh, 30 minutes or so. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> what, are his t- what are his minutes per touch in the yeah. box? And, I, you know, Isaac's success, I mean, they, they kind of ran the offense through a success in the last match. And he, he didn't actually have any, you know, success. But he... Uh, he did. You couldn't he, help yourself, could you? I couldn't. I I kind of walked into it, and then I was like, "Am I really going to say this?" And then I just I just said it. So yeah, success had a, had a kind of a mixed bag. Uh, I mean, Agala didn't even play. I, I couldn't believe he didn't even come on. Yeah, that that is that's very telling, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, Agala has been pretty out of form since the end of last season. Yeah, so we, we, speaking briefly, he could be on his way to the Super League. As a quick aside about Holobos, uh, I was joking with you before the podcast started. Uh, Holobos, his ownership is like 1.9% or something like that in the league. But literally every single person who owns him has a Twitter account yeah. and was t- was tweeting about it this weekend and letting everybody know. And it's Holobos Twitter has now replaced Aguero Twitter as the most annoying Twitter. <laughs> yeah. oh, so do you have to come up for a nickname for Holobos now? Is he the new Brock Toon? Well, I don't even know how to spell his name. Well, there are, there are clearly multiple ways to spell Holobos's name, so your guess how, is as good as mine. Why is it C-H-O-L-E-V-A-S on his jersey and H-O-L-E-B-A-S on on the fantasy site? It, is that it, like, it does weird. seem disrespectful to his culture that if it that's does. the way he culturally spells his name, why don't you just spell it like that everywhere? I... I agree. I, I I don't. I really don't understand it. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, so I mean, it's all not like of us, not all of still... us, if you're out there listening, hit us up at Hail Cheaters on Twitter, 
or, or, or just send us an email at hailcheaters at gmail.com <laughs> and let us know how you feel. Yeah, we'll make sure we're, we're pronouncing it and spelling it the right way. Uh, what right. about Callum Wilson? So Callum Wilson, yeah. after that Bournemouth destruction of Hull City, which, frankly, we shouldn't read too much into, Hull City is sort of reverting to predicted form here, and Bournemouth was at home. But Callum Wilson is really intriguing at, at 6.4 with an ascended Bournemouth. Yeah, he is. He is intriguing. Uh, I don't. I mean, the Bournemouth team is kind of strange. I mean, they're, they're a little bit like last year. I don't know how all their goals come from defenders somehow. It's it's a weird, <laughs> it's just a and, weird team. It, and it never and I know like exactly how that so. makes you feel as a Simon Francis owner. As we were yeah. sitting at that bar on Saturday morning, and you were watching the goals rain in for Bournemouth, somehow yeah, Simon sure. Francis couldn't get anything. I'm sure I mistakenly called him Trevor Francis a couple million times too. I don't know why I can't I can't stop doing that. Yeah, it, Wilson is an interesting option. I don't like him as much as I like Austin though. Yeah, no, I I agree, and they're both at six point four. I think the choice is clear there. It's it's not just the stats. I mean, I I think it's also the eye test. I mean, I just you know I think that not only are Austin's stats better, but he just seems like he's in good form. He just seems like he's moving really well. He's like you were saying earlier. He's, he's you know he's link, he's linking up well with that team. He's the focal point of that attack. Um, so I, I, you know, I think he's really, um, as you can tell, I'm kind of excited about the idea of bringing in Austin. I mean, I think he's really, <laughs> I just think he's an interesting option. Yeah. His ownership level is still, you know, very low. Um, I mean, he's at 6.4 million cause he was, you know, cause his, his price dropped, you know, cause right. he didn't do anything. He's, he's a steal. Yeah. 6.8% yeah. ownership. So that's, that's Deli Ali territory. So the yeah, most the most disappointing thing here about this table of stats has to be Marcus Rashford. I mean, there's yeah. nothing nothing but disappointment for United fans at the moment, given how much money was spent on this team. But Marcus Rashford, the homegrown player, compare his stats to Wilson, Dini, Benteke, and Austin, and he's just middle of the road and everything. Yep, yep, exactly. It's it's kind of surprising. I, I thought he would come out a little bit better in this. Um, you now, granted, he hasn't played a ton of minutes. But, um, you know, yeah, he's picked up three goals. I mean, it was really that one match. Um, you know, he had a little, yeah. little two-match run where he looked great. And, I think um, it's you know, the, I, I didn't he, think he looked great in the match today. There's, I, I'm, I think he's having trouble with the starting 11 role. Him as an impact sub, particularly last season, he was just so explosive for that team. And he came in and and gave United something so completely different and terrified the uh the of the opposing team but as a member yeah. of the starting 11 particularly against liverpool yeah he totally looked overawed by the occasion yeah i mean it's this it's the same problem that Ibra has you know it's just who's who's getting them the ball is it you know i mean mata didn't play today and you know herrera didn't have a great match and pogba i don't really know what pogba was doing you know so i don't know it just seems like that whole man you attack seems like kind of a keep away at the moment. Pogba is auditioning for the role of an NFL kicker, as far as I can tell. <laughs> He's just like seeing how hard can I kick this thing. I know everything is like way up in the air. Um, all right. Well, so that that's that's our third striker analysis. I, I have one. I, we have a couple of questions here that just didn't fit anywhere else. So I'm going to uh, let's let's get to those real quick. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Mahesh says, um, "Can you please?" Okay, it's a two point question, uh, but I'm going to actually race past the first one. Uh, he says, "Please talk about Champions League rotation possibilities." And then he says, uh, "Forgetting the yellow card uh, situation, who who best?" fits the second striker position, Costa or Lukaku. So um, well, do you want to take a first crack at this, Brennan? 
Well, sure. Uh, the question about Lukaku and Costa really intrigues me and sort of vexes me at the same time, uh, because both of these teams have kind of dicey fixtures coming up. Chelsea has Man United, Southampton, and Everton, and Everton have definitely proven their medal against City. But then you look at uh, Everton, they have Burnley, West Ham, and then they hit up with uh, Chelsea. Maybe but Burnley, Ever- West Ham, I mean, come on. Those those fixtures are probably superior to Chelsea's. So then it becomes a, well, Costa's form is better, but his fixtures are worse. Lukaku's form is, it's great, and his fixtures are better. Yeah, um, and he's cheaper. And he's not on four yellow cards. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, <laughs> let's do like a pro-con list. There, there are far more pros for Lukaku yeah. than there are cons for him. And... Costa's got the yellow card situation and some dicey fixtures. I mean, you have to wait until game week 12 until they hit Middlesbrough. Right. And then they come off yeah. of that and they've got Spurs and Manchester City. So Costa has some really weird days ahead for him. Yeah. I think I can see the situation reversing at some point. But, at, at, you know, the time being, I, I I would definitely go with – I mean, I, if I bring in Costa, it would be with a three-man rotation. There's no way – Lukaku is, is you know – absolutely like pinned to my team right now i mean i can't imagine uh why i would drop him you know i mean just given given the price given his performance i mean you know scored practically every match the last few weeks i mean you know it was only that away match to to bournemouth where he didn't score yeah yeah as far as champions league rotation it's this is always a a tough one to answer because it's really difficult to tell like what i always tend to look for is take a guy like mesut ozel he's not not really ever a rotation risk, but if he's getting subbed in the 85th minute at some point, that generally is a wink from Arsene Wenger that he's good to go for the next fixture. Yeah. You're sort of looking for those late substitutions. But even, yeah. even a guy they're, like Ozil, if he plays 90s, more than likely, or almost like 99.9% due to start on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, if they're far away, I mean, if they're you know if they're traveling to to Budapest or something like that for for a, a Wednesday fixture and they play on Saturday, then then it's probably a risk. But you know, I, I mean, Man City is the team that I'd be most curious about. I I think that um, I'm not worried about Aguero now, especially because he didn't play this match. Well, yeah, and you uh, know he didn't start today because Pep or he didn't start on Saturday. Clearly, for Champions League reasons, yeah. he was coming off two full matches for Argentina. I think you can drive yourself crazy thinking about rotation possibilities. I, I mean, the only thing I, I, I always try to do is wait until after Wednesday to make any transfers because, um, you know, you just don't want to take the risk. I mean, rotation risk. Or a risk of injury, that is. Rotation risk doesn't even factor into some of the tastiest FPL teams either. Like Liverpool has no Europe. Chelsea has no Europe. It's it's just City, Arsenal, and Spurs. Uh, Leicester, you're not investing in those players anyway. So, okay, so we have to go back to Charlie Austin, though. I would consider bringing Charlie Austin in, but I'm not going to even get close to hitting that transfer button until after their Europa League match on Thursday. Oh, that's right. I actually forgot about that match on Thursday. Thank you for, for reminding me. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, don't pull that trigger just yet. His knee, his explosive yeah. knee could actually come to full explosion yeah. on Thursday. And they and they, and they did sub him. Uh, he, I think he got subbed in the 70th minute or something he, he like was, that. He, I mean, he was on the verge of scoring a hat trick and he was taken out. Yeah. So clearly to, to play, I think they're playing Inter Milan, right. I think, on Thursday. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think... 
I mean, you know, he hasn't played that much at the start of the year. I mean, it's a tough run, but I, I, I don't. I, I mean, he's not going to be rested away to Man City, that's for sure. I mean, you know, unless he gets injured. Um, so I, I think he's safe. I mean, I, it's too early in the same. This isn't late December yet. What are you going to play not Shane sure. Long? Don't be crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, Sporting DC says I made two moves last night, dumping Defoe and Lalana for Lukaku and Joe Allen. Am I stupid? <laughs> I mean, I'm. I would never call anyone who listens to our podcast or tweets out as stupid. Clearly, you're very smart because you've made the right choice. But uh, I would be, I would be, I would be pretty disappointed if I dropped Lalana ahead of this United game because Lalana clearly was missing from whatever forward momentum that Liverpool team was lacking. They did look better when he came on. I, I think, and, it, and, it, he, and his yeah. substitution proved he's totally healthy. And as we, as you yeah. said, Liverpool doesn't have Europe. Lalana starting next weekend. I, I think it's. I, I think in the end that the, it's a good move. I mean, uh, you might want to end up bringing Lalana back in at some point. But uh, I mean, dumping Defoe in particular is is a good move. I just think, oh, you yes, know, yes. I, I mean, he's he's been scoring, but that team just isn't. They're just not good enough, and they're they're going to have matches where they just get totally run over by another team that's um, true if sporting, and, if sporting yeah i'm sorry to talk over you but if that's if, okay if sporting dc if the only way he could afford lukaku was to dump lalana and get joe allen then yeah that's sort of inaugurable but yeah liverpool have just an amazing run of fixtures coming up you've got to have some coverage there yeah all right josh it's my turn to throw it to break let's take a quick one and we're going to come back and preview game week nine all right same old podcast, always All right, Brandon, game week nine, uh, just Saturday and Sunday this week. A nice, a nice clean two days worth of fixtures. There's something uh, that Monday fixture makes it all spread out, particularly you get the Friday to Monday fixture list. Have they, have they done that yet? Friday to Monday? I'm not sure if they have. I don't think they have. I, maybe they did, actually. Maybe it was in game week two. I, I can't remember. It's like the, the uh, NFL has been slowly stretching out its game week from now they have, don't they have like a Thursday night game now in the NFL? And then yeah, I think, Monday yeah. night football? Mm-hmm. I know. It's, it's like, it'll be Friday before you know it. And then like they'll, and they'll just take over college football Saturdays, too. So it's an interesting week. The one, the, so okay, so the I don't, I don't, we don't have to run through every single match here. But one thing that stands out to me is this Bournemouth Spurs match, the early match on Saturday, and Spurs have a midweek Champions League fixture. That seems a little odd to me. I'm surprised that didn't get moved to Sunday. Yeah, apparently uh, Pochettino doesn't have a lot of clout there in the scheduling yeah. office. Yeah, that is that to me is a possible rotation risk for sure. That match. Okay. And Spurs, okay. that isn't a wave Champions League fixture for them to buy or Leverkusen. I mean, it's, it's not like it's not, not like flying away, to Qatar or something like that. But, but still, <laughs> still. Uh, so that, that's a, that's a, that's a tricky one. Uh, you know, theoretically, that's a good. Well, I mean, Bournemouth have looked a lot better, so I I, I don't see a clean sheet for Spurs in that match. I think that uh, Bournemouth, uh, their attacks have looked a little bit better. Um, you know, I, I I can see some some rotation going on there. Uh, ben Davies might get another another league start. Yeah, Borden uh, scores at home too. They they are a force. At yeah, home. yeah. Uh, and I I actually you know I may even end up starting Simon Francis in this match. Um, just you know, and, and this this could be like a nil nil draw sort no, of. No, I, I would not be surprised. What I mean, what about Arsenal Middlesbrough? Middlesbrough stood out to me this weekend as one of the teams that is definitely on the decline. Them and Hull. 
they could not put a finishing move together to save their lives uh, against Southampton. Yeah, I mean, this is. Again, I think. I, yeah, I think I need to bring in an Arsenal. I, I don't have an Arsenal midfielder right now, and I'm, I'm pretty scared of this this match. Uh, and so I, I think I probably will bring somebody in. I'll be watching the Champions League closely to see how much everybody plays. I'd be a little concerned. You know, if Theo Walcott played all 90 minutes uh, in the Champions League fixture, I'd be a little worried that he might not. He might not start in this match. Sure, I mean, he yeah. might, might might bring Giroud back in for a uh, home match. Chamberlain maybe, who who's yeah. been sort of making moaning in the media about how he doesn't think he's going to be at Arsenal much longer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Burnley Everton, an interesting match as well, because Burnley kind of like Bournemouth have been a lot stronger at home. Uh, I think Lukaku is a definite captain option for this, for this fixture. Uh, but we've also seen Burnley really, it's kind of weird. It's, it's like they, they park the bus at home and <laughs> yeah. they don't do it as much away. It's funny. Cause I just talked about parking the bus earlier, but they, uh, it does seem like they really, they're like a, like a fortress at home, but they don't actually score any goals. So I don't know. It's a strange one. I think we figured it out. Parking the bus is just a fun thing to say. It is it fun to say. It sort of sounds like a dance move, parking the bus. <laughs> Uh, yeah, hold, hold, yeah. I, I'm just going to echo your sentiments. That is that is a tricky one. I I would avoid captaining Lukaku against Burnley at home. All right, I think we can skip some of these. I I don't know. Let, uh, Hull Stoke. I mean, that's like a two-two match, and who knows who scores in that one? Uh, Lester Jonathan Crystal Walters, Palace, obviously. <laughs> uh, Lester Crystal Palace. I, I kind of you know Slimani is still a player that I'm looking at, and. Uh, I, I, I'd be curious to see if he, uh, you know, how he does. He no, he started no. he started off like a house on fire, and he's been a little kind of a little cold since then. He, yeah, I think he was I think he was rested for Champions League over the weekend. But I would stay away from this match, Leicester Crystal Palace. That yeah, that I, is totally. I, I'm not totally excited agree. about that one. Uh, a little more excited about Swansea Watford just to see if Bob Bradley can actually you know get on, get a get a home win. Jordi Amat is going to be back in my team for the first time in like seven weeks. I'm kind of excited yeah. about that. <laughs> Jordi Amat, who has played like most minutes per like least points per minute, probably in the entire FPL. Yeah, I think his form is like 0. 0.5 or something like that. Um, West Ham Sunderland. This is uh, Antonio's last stand. Indeed. We'll see what happens here. He can do it. Pickford is going to shut him down, though. I probably maybe. Uh, How do you play that one? So you've got Pickford. Um, uh, I'm mean, obviously you're going to play Carius against uh, at home to West Brom. But would yeah, you, would you, you have would to. Would you put Pickford up against West Ham? I mean, West Ham is kind of mercurial at the moment. Okay, let's say I had Pickford and Heaton. I think I would play Pickford yeah. away to West Ham. Yeah, banking on those save points, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Liverpool-West Brom, uh, I imagine, especially with this nil-nil draw, that Liverpool's going to win this match like 5-1 to one or something like that. Right, yeah, typically. Uh, Sturridge looked terrible in today's match, <laughs> didn't you think? Yeah, I, I wonder if he just had too much pressure on him because he's clearly out of favor with Klopp and he yeah. was taking advantage of Lalana coming back from injury. and He looked so much better when Lalana came back into the match. There were a couple passes that went into Sturridge, like, near the penalty area, and Sturridge just wasn't even paying attention. Like, he wasn't even ready to receive the ball. He... <laughs> it, was, it was strange, yeah. I think he, it's probably gotten his head a little bit. You know, there's so many people talk about how selfish he is, and I wonder if he 
he's he's a little conscious of it now. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he, he might be a classic case of a player that, like, he's just not dumb enough to be good. Like, he's he's just thinking too much all of the time. Yeah. I, by all accounts, he's considered a smart guy and really friendly. And, you know, yeah. so, yeah, you can be too cerebral out there for sure. Uh, Sunday's matches, Man City, Southampton. Very excited about this match, uh, particularly because, you know, as we just talked about, I'm really curious to see what 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 Charlie Austin does. <laughs> Even more than Aguero and Sterling and everybody else, <laughs> I want to see how Austin performs. That too. I mean, Southampton's defense is in pretty fine form too, and I know Aguero is going to be looking to atone for his sins against Everton. Yeah, and they're still at home, and they're going to want to put on a show for their fans to show them that they they still can win the league at a yeah. trot. So, um, it will be interesting. It's a very interesting matchup considering the form both these teams are yeah. in. And Chelsea Man United, I, I just imagine it's going to be hugely disappointing. Uh, <laughs> like every Mourinho, every every big Mourinho match is totally disappointed. It seems like so. I, I imagine this will be like a, you know, a nil nil draw or maybe a one nothing win on on one side. You know, maybe Matic gets a goal in the sixty seventh minute or something like that. You know, so, like something that helps no fantasy managers. Is probably what's going to happen here. It is a really brutal run for United right now. I mean, two away matches in a row to teams they have to sort of set up defensively against, which is yeah. which is strange to say the least. They could really just use a, a cakewalk fixture. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have it next week. They play Burnley in game week ten. I mean, do what are the odds of us still having Ibrahimovic in game week ten? I don't know. I mean, I, I think guess they're, there they're a, actually pretty good for me. So, uh, and I, I don't, I'm yeah. not saying I like that, but yeah, I, it's like 50, 50. I mean, well, no, not even that high. It's like, thir- it depends on what happens at the champions league matches. You know, if Aguero gets injured or something, right. Uh, or somebody else. Uh, all right. That's it. Uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. Uh, please leave us a review. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher. You can also find us on Google play, Acast, and tune in. How'd that go, Brandon? I don't do that. I normally leave that to you. Did I? I was waiting I for you to keep, keep naming places where you can listen to Always <laughs> Cheating. But how about this? How about places they can follow us on social media? If you're listening to Always Cheating and you want more, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Hail Cheaters. Facebook page, which is ever-growing. That's where we post updates on our uh, AC Showstoppers Head-to-Head League. That's Facebook.com slash Always Cheating. Send us an email if you want to get uh, get us some more in-depth sort of question and answer session. And we've had a few people send us rate my teams or you have a real dilemma that you feel like you can't get across over social media. Yeah, just send us an email. It's hailcheaters at gmail.com. And visit our website, alwayscheating.com, where Josh's happy birthday FPL post resides. <laughs> just go to alwayscheating.com and hit the blog tab. And you can also still join our Hail Cheaters Super League mini league right there by hitting the league tab. And there's an auto join button. And uh, our, our mini league code is basically everywhere all across the Internet. All right. Well, Hail Cheaters, Brandon. And Bacani forever. Have mercy. Welcome back, Josh. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.